Deuteronomy chapter number five, please, in your Bibles, find your place, buckle your seatbelts, and hang on, we're going for a ride. I love the word of God. Uh, his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. And you stay with the word of God, the word of God will stay with you, and the God of the word will stay with you. And that's what I'm going to preach about this morning from Deuteronomy chapter 5. And I'd like to begin reading in verse number 32. And I hate to discomfort you in your comfort zone, but I'm going to have you stand up. Stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Is this on? It's not on. Well, I thought I turned it on. Pastor asked me, and I told him I did. Yeah, well, it's, it's on. It's on now. Thank you. Am I on now? All right. Good. Wonderful. Wonderful. Deuteronomy. Now, if you mark in your Bible, and I highly suggest that you do, um, I, never, I never open my Bible. Sometimes I do in the pulpit if I'm preaching. But if I'm listening or I'm sitting at home reading the Bible, I have a pen in hand. Now, I'll let you a couple of things you can underline here, and you'll never forget the message if you'll underline this. When you come across it reading your Bible, you'll remember this. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse number 32. Ye shall observe to do therefore as the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye shall, not, uh, ye shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye may live, and that it may be well with you, and that ye may, and there's the three words, prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. Now, turn the page. Same chapter, actually the next chapter, chapter 6 and verse number 2. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to, to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's sons all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. There it is again, that thy days may be prolonged. Now turn back two pages to chapter 4 and verse number 26. Two pages back to chapter 4 and verse number 26. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereunto ye go over Jordan to possess it. Ye shall not prolong your days. There it is again, prolong your days. Now if you do because of what you've done, you will not prolong your days. Now turn the page, same chapter, verse number 40. Thou shalt keep therefore his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee, and that thou mayest, there it is again, prolong thy days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee forever. Now chapter 5, verse number 16. Honor thy father and thy mother, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged. There it is again. And that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Over and over and over again in the Bible, the Bible is very specific to tell us that we can prolong our days by things we do or we can shorten our days by things we do. It would take the rest of my time to preach, to quote all the scriptures. Let me just give you a few here. Proverbs 3, 2, for length of days and long life shall they add unto thee, talking about the word of God. And then to keep his ways and his statutes, 1 Kings 3, 14, and I will lengthen thy days. Psalms 91, 16, with long Long life will I satisfy him. Uh, and then if you're rebellious, Exodus 9, 15, I will smite and thou shalt be cut off, meaning you'll die. Your life will be shot. God has given unto us certain inalienable rights. Our forefathers saw it and wrote it into our founding document when they said, among whom are life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And God wants us to live. In Ezekiel 16, 6, he said, I passed by thee and you were out there of nothing, uh, wallowing around uh, as, a, as a newborn, not swaddled at all. And when I passed by thee, I said unto thee, live. 
I said unto thee, live. You and I have a responsibility to live. Uh, my mother's in heaven now. She used to tell me, said, she said, her mother said, mama would get depressed, down in the mouth and depressed and want to end life. She'd say, Ruby, you can't die every time you want to now. Get that in your head. You can't die every time you want to. And we have a responsibility to live. Now, with that in mind, um, I'm going to bring you a message uh, called Prolonging Your Life. And I'm going to show you some ways you can live longer, according to the Word of God. I'm going to show you a few ways you won't live as long, according to the Word of God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Holy Spirit of God, all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes down. And I feel your presence in this room right now. Lord, I don't know if I feel it just because I love you and I'm in fellowship with you or because all of these people are in fellowship with you also. I have no idea. All I know is I feel your presence. I feel your power. And I pray, oh God, that you'll bless me now as I preach the Word of God for I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, please. Already, I've crossed somebody's line in this room so far. And I know why, and I know what you're thinking. And I don't judge you wrongly for that, but I will correct you. Here's, here's the people that I've crossed in this room so far. Now, Brother Brown, you've crossed a line. God has a set time for all of us, each of us, and God knows when that time is, and that set time is set, and that time cannot be changed. In the first place... Really, there's nobody in this room that believes that. And I'll prove it to you. If you don't think there's anything you can do about some set time in your life that God has said and you can't go beyond or many shorter, I'll tell you what you do. You go out here on Highway 52 and spread a pallet tonight at midnight and just go to sleep because nothing's going to bother you. No car's going to run over you. No semi's going to flatten you out. You, you're okay because there is a set time and there's, you know there's things you can do. Here's the thing. You say, well, God has a set time. It's not, number one, you're right and you're wrong. God does have a set time. Job 7, 1, is there not an appointed time for a man upon the earth? Are not his days also like the days of a hireling? You hire somebody, you know how long they're going to live. And does not God have a set time for a man on the earth? The obvious answer is yes. But, over and over and over in the Bible, God says, here's the time that I've set right here. This is your lifetime, but I'm going to let you go further. I'm going to let you go shorter. And, I can show, and not only that, not only by things we do, but by just asking God, praying. Uh, let me show you this. I don't have you turn to a lot of stuff, but I want you to turn with me to Isaiah 38. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Isaiah chapter number 38. Find your place as quickly as you can, and uh, we'll get right into the message. Isaiah 38, verse number 1. In those, I'll be reading while you get there. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Isaiah said, God sent me here to tell you, Hezekiah, that this is your time to die. Now, in Bible times, sometimes people were told when they were going to die, but not in these days. We don't have an open revelation. We have a written revelation, and the open revelation ended when the written revelation was finished. We do not have revelations. We have illuminations. Illuminations is the light upon which God is already revealed. 
which is the revealed word of God. And here's what he said. He said, God sent me here, Hezekiah, to tell you time's up. This is your dying time. This is the time that God appointed for you to die. Now look what happened next. Then Hezekiah, in verse number two, turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Lord, remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Hezekiah, oh God, oh God, please give me some more time. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah saying, go and say to Hezekiah. He, he was about out of the courtyard. He was about out of the courtyard when God says, hey, look, tell him I'll give him 15 more years. And in verse number five, go say Hezekiah, thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears, and behold, I will add unto thy days 15 years. So the time was set, the time God set, and it was there, and God revealed it to him, but he said, now get ready, set your house, no, you're gonna die. This is dying time. But Hezekiah prayed to God, and God changed that. Proverbs 9, 11, for by me, God said, thy days is multiplied and the years of thy life shall be increased. God has the power to extend your death time. God has the power to shorten it. And there's certain things we can do that will lengthen it or shorten it. Number one, there's some moral things. I want you to look here in our text again and verse number 16 of chapter five. Honor thy father and thy mother that the, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee that thy days may be prolonged and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now, what can you do to live longer? Number one, according to the plain statement of the scripture, uh, obey your parents. Honor your father and mother. Obey your parents and you can live longer. Paul Raker was the pastor over here at Faith Baptist Church at Five Points right here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And uh, he built a monstrous building and housed the great National Sword of the Lord Conference every year. I used to go there. We heard the greatest of the greats. We heard John Rice and Tom Malone and Jack Hiles and Lester Roloff and, and Lee Robertson and all the greats. And it was a wonderful place. And Paul Raker was a wonderful man. And he loved God. But not long before his 50th birthday, he called his family together and he said, now folks, listen. He said, uh, children, I'm not going, your daddy won't live to be an old man. And they said, dad, why not? He said, well, according to, according to the Bible, uh, the way I treated my parents, the way I disobeyed my parents, I won't live to be an old man. And he didn't, he lied, died not long after that. Oliver B. Green, one of the greatest preachers ever lived. Still on the radio here. Oh yeah, Brother Green. What a preacher. And Oliver B. Green said all his life, I will not live to be an old man because of the way I treated my mother and daddy. He actually stole from his daddy. He wrote a book on it called From Disgrace to Grace. And he said, because of the disrespect and the disobedience I had to my mother and my father, I won't live to be an old man. He died relatively young, Oliver Green. Uh, I'm in Florida and our daddy told me, he said, I told the boy, I told him, son, he... You can't dive into the swimming pool off the edge of the house. This pool came right under the eave of the house. He'd get up on the house and dive into the pool. And he said, son, the pool's not made for diving. Dad, look, I know how I'm hitting. I'm going to hit and scoop. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, he was smarter than dad, disobeyed his dad. Now the rest of his life sits in a wheelchair. You don't do well when you disobey your parents. You don't do well when you disobey your parents. I mean, I would, listen, I'd go with God if I were you. First John 5, 16, there's moral things you can do. Not only that, but other moral things. Uh, there is a sin unto death. I do not say that you shall pray for it. There is a point 
over which you pass, and that's your death sin. You say, what is that sin unto death? It is no particular sin. It's just an accumulation of sin and a point that you go cross after God has warned you and warned you and warned you. And as a result of that, you die. And there's nothing, once you cross that line, there's nothing can be done about that. And so I'm just saying, uh, 1 Corinthians 11.30, the church at Corinth were saved people and the apostle Paul said so. And Paul uh, reconfirmed over and over again for such but some of you, you're washed, you're cleansed but they were living a carnal life. And I won't go into all the detail of how carnal a life they were living, but here's what he said to them. He said, for this cause, the way you're living, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. Sleep means death. They're dead. They're gone. Uh, they shorten their life. Morally, there's certain things you can do to shorten. We all know the name John Lennon. We all know his Beatles fame. The London Evening Times did an interview with him and found, here's what he said, Christianity will end. It'll disappear. I don't have to argue about that. Jesus was okay, but his subjects were way too simple. Today, we're more famous than him. Well, he was shot, murdered, shot six times to death. You don't, you don't exalt yourself above Jesus Christ and do too well. In Acts chapter 12, verse 23, Herod stood and made a great oration to the people. Man, he must have been quite an orator. He must have been quite a speech maker. And he made this great oration to the people. And the people fell down before him and said, it's the voice of a God, not of a man. And immediately he was eaten with worms from head to toe and died because he gave not glory to God. You don't exalt yourself above God and get along very well. And so there's certain moral things you can do. Here's another thing. You can lengthen or shorten your life by what you do with God's book. Notice here back in our text, chapter four, verse number 40. Thou shalt keep therefore his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee, and that thou mayest prolong thy days, prolong thy days. There it is again, prolong thy days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee. He said, you keep the word of God. Live by the word of God. Uh, Remember the word of God. Obey the word of God. Walk by the word of God. Let the word of God be your light, your direction every day of your life. And he said, when you do, you're going to prolong your days. Uh, Have you ever had Tom Williams here to preach? Yeah, and he's given his story about his wife. Yeah, yeah, great things. And to refresh your memory, they were going up on that in tram at Masada, and he looked around. He and his wife were young in those days, and he looked around, his wife was doing this. He said, honey, are you all right? Yeah, it's just in my neck. Within a matter of minutes, they were rushing to the hospital. And in a matter of minutes, in a matter of short time, a brilliant Jewish doctor walked out there in Jerusalem and announced to him, uh, your wife is doomed. No hope. No hope. He said, spinal fluid should be clear. Hers looks like buttermilk. She won't be alive morning. There's no hope. A little bit later, that same Jewish doctor walked in, and there was a little recorder there beside, and she was totally unconscious by this time, a little recorder sitting there beside of her and uh, the wire running to her ear. And the Jewish doctor came in, and and, um, Brother Williams wasn't there, and he said, uh, tell me something. Uh, What is all this apparatus? And this nurse told him, well, Mr. Williams is a very religious man, and he says that if you play the word of God to somebody, it'll be health to their navel and marrow to their bones. And uh, he said, uh, he said, now here's a Jewish doctor. He's lost. He's very religious, but he's lost. 
He believes all the Old Testament, but he don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He's never received him and doesn't believe that he's the Messiah. He's still looking for the Messiah. I'm glad I'm not looking for him this morning. I found him. Yes, thank God I found him. But anyway, uh, he said, uh, Mr. Williams is very strong about that. And he spun on his chair. He said, where's that found in the Bible? She said, well, yeah, he, he wrote it down. It's found right here. And... Uh, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, uh, chapter 11, verse number 8. And here's what it says here. Um, Therefore, ye shall keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that ye may prolong your days. Let me give you this one here. Chapter 11, verse 8, uh, Deuteronomy 30 and verse number 14. Let me give you that. Best reverence. But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and life. If you turn away, so shalt thou not uh, fear. And then he goes on to say, uh, here in verse 18, and I denounce unto you this day that ye shall perish, that ye shall not prolong your days. And he says, choose life. I'm still looking for the reference here uh, in the Bible. But anyway, uh, oh yeah, here it is, Proverbs 3 and verse number 1. Proverbs 3 and verse number 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandment. For length of days and long life shall they add unto thee. Verse 8, and it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. So she showed him the verse. He stared at her, turned around, pulled out a pad, and wrote a prescription. The word of God is to be played into this woman's ear 24-7. Okay. Laid it down. That woman lived 27 more years. Twenty, look, she came to my church with her husband. Now, she had problems. Oh, yes, till she died. She had problems. But that woman came with her husband to the church. He asked her questions. She answered questions, and she gave a testimony in my church 27 years after that happened. I tell you what, if I was you, I'd get connected to the Word of God if I wanted to live a long time. That's what I would do. Robert Ingersoll said, in, he's a great infidel and orator. Robert Ingersoll said, in 15 years, I'll have the Bible in a morgue. But in less than 15 years, he was in a morgue and the Bible was marching on. I'm telling you, you don't come against the word of God. Christine Hewitt, Christine Hewitt, the entertainer, stood yonder on a platform and took the Bible and raised it up and said, this book is the worst book that's ever been written. And they found her burnt until you couldn't, they had to identify her by dental work. She had been murdered and then her car had been set on fire. You don't come against the word of God and do very well. You just really don't. You don't come against the man of God and do very well either. 1 Samuel 16, 9, who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be innocent. I've got a preacher friend, and I could call his name, but we go viral here, you know, anymore. And uh, got a great church, and he was preaching. And here's what he said. He said, hey, fellas, deer season opens next Sunday. It'll be open for five days. It opens next Sunday. I am going deer hunting, but I'm not going next Sunday. I'm going to be in God's house next Sunday. Now, if you want to go Monday morning, call me. I'll go with you. But we're not going deer hunt. I'm not going deer hunt. Now, I want to encourage you. Be faithful to God's house. I mean, put God first. Amen. Put God first. And you know what? Um, he had a faithful member, probably a good man. But he came up to him with a smirk on his face and said, Preacher, I just want to let you know I'm going deer hunting next Sunday morning. Nobody else is going to get my big buck. I'm going deer hunting. I've waited for this all year, and I'm going to be in the woods next Sunday morning. And I just thought I'd let you know. Well, the next Sunday afternoon, he got a call from the man's wife and said he got him down here at the hospital trying to big, dig some mighty big buckshot out of his head. 
Now, I will tell you, you may not always do everything that man says right there. You may not always obey everything he preaches. You may not always stay with what he preaches from the word of God about what you ought to do. But you better be careful about your attitude about it. You better be careful about your smirky attitude about, well, he said this, but I... Let me tell you what, he's a man, as long as he opens a King James Bible and preaches the word of God, as long as he stays in the saddle for God, as long as he don't pull Baptist off your sign or change Bibles or change wives or change anything important, you better stay with the man of God. Say amen right there. Number three, God's warning. God's warning. And I'll tell you how you can prolong or shorten your life by what you do about the warnings that God gives. We all need warnings because we all fail. We all sin. We all do wrong. Proverbs 29, 1, he that often being reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. There's a sermon I used to preach called Preaching Your Funeral. Preached it several times. Started first in my own church and then preached it out in some big churches, big places. And in that sermon... I would call ahead and have the funeral home, have a staff member pick up a casket at the funeral home. And when I stood to preach, I'd read my text and sit down and quiet music began to play and six well-dressed men would bring that casket down and park it in front of the pool. Well, everybody thought somebody died and they didn't tell them who it was. And so after they parked the casket, I stood up and preached a message called Preaching Your Funeral. And during that message, during that message, I came down off the platform and I said, after hearing this message, your body could be laying in that casket before this week's over. Your body. And then I took my, this, this, this casket. I said, this is an empty casket, but you could be in it before this. There was a member of that church that had been on the inner circle, faithful. I'd like to tell you more, but I, I protect the innocent. They had been faithful and were still faithful, but was backslid. Different people in the church had contacted them tried to bring them back. They'd stiffened their neck. They would not listen. They're still under the sound of the Bible, but they wouldn't obey the sound of the Bible. And they warned them and warned them and warned them. I got a call four days later from a staff member, and here's what he said, Pastor Brown, I'm the man that picked the casket up. And we had a death in our church of that person that was backslid. Now listen to me. And he said, as a staff, is a large church, at least as large as this church. And he said, I, I was asked to go handle the uh, comfort of the family at the funeral home, and I did. Pastor handled the service, but I was to meet with the family. And he said, I met with him, and we went over funeral plans. And then, as usual, uh, I asked him, would you like for me to go with you into the casket room, or, or I can wait? No, we want you to go in. And I did that, and most times, families wanted me to go in the casket room. Now, I never made any decisions in there. Not, I, I just stood in the corner and waited just as a, to, so they could see me as a point of comfort. The pastor's still with us. And he said, I watched them. And they went around that room. It's a large casket room, good-sized town. And he said, it went around that room, all the way around, and I couldn't hear what they were saying. They were whispering, uh, trying to choose among caskets, anywhere between $1,200 and $20,000 for a casket, and said they came all the way around, made the circle, and then started back again. Three caskets down, they stopped at the casket that you had set in front of you when you preach that sermon and warn them, he that often being reproved shall hardness his neck and shall suddenly be destroyed. Pastor Brown, I know it was the casket. I'm the one that picked it up and I'm the one that brought it back and I'm the one that shoved it in its place. I know it was the casket. 
Let me tell you something, friend. When you get warned, and I'm speaking to people in this room, you have been warned, and you've 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 been warned. Let me tell you something. You're asking for trouble. You don't prolong your life by constant being warned of God through men of God and the word of God. You don't constantly resist the Holy Ghost and live in safety. You just don't. I mean, you just don't, God's warnings. And then uh, not only that, you can do some moral things to prolong your life. You can do some sacred things. The word of God's sacred. Man of God's sacred. The house of God is sacred. If I was you, I'd plant my roots in the house of God. They that dwell by night in the house of God, they shall still be praising thee. They're going to praise you for a long time. Yeah, I'd be the word of God. But here's another thing. I would, there's certain mental things that you can do to live a long time. Proverbs 23, 7, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report, if there be any virtue, think on these things and the God of peace shall be with you. <laughs> I went in a greasy spoon restaurant one time and a fellow had a sign on the wall. I liked it. Here's what he said. It's not so much what you eat that gives you ulcers, it's what eats you. <laughs> Amen. It's what eats you. There's certain mental things that you can do. Certain mental things. Uh, you know what? You can be happy if you want to, and you can be a grump if you want to, and you can be sad if you want to, and you can be depressed if you want to. And all of these things are because of choices we make. Look, we had a little fellow in our church for years. His Shorty Goodwin. Shorty was short. He was probably 55, 60 years old, and he, had, he was very, very simple. Very simple. He come up, hey, Pastor Brown, how are you this morning? I said, Shorty, I'm doing good. And if I, I remember one morning, I preached a bad sermon. I laid an egg, egg and it would hatch twin dinosaurs. I mean, it was a bad one. And, and, and I'm about ready to crawl under the carpet. <laughs> oh, Shorty came up to me. Preacher? I said, yes, sir. He, I had my Bible like this. He took his finger and punched the Bible and said, I want to know when you're going to start preaching that Bible right there. I said, well, Shorty, I was about to crawl under the carpet before you got here. You have not helped at all. But I wish you could have known Shorty. Shorty was the happiest guy in our church. He had no fa He lived in a county home. He had no, he had no state had to take care of him. He had no family. He had no parents. He had no brothers. had no sisters. had no children. Never been married, of course. And, and, but he was one of the happiest fellows. And, and he, you know what? I came in every year, not long before Christmas, and I looked up. I said, what's the present for? They said, for Shorty, it was a Christmas gift. It was about three weeks before Christmas. I said, who gave it to him? He said, he did. <laughs> I said, Shorty gave his own self a present? Yeah. I come in the next week, there's another one. And the next week, another one. And the next week, another one. And he just had this big pile of Christmas gifts. And when it came Christmas time, man, he'd pulled all them presents down and open them up. He just had himself a party. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, I think he had good sense in that department, don't you? I really do. Uh, I, I think we can be, uh, you know, uh, I mean, you know, uh, we need to direct our thinking. First Peter 1, 3, gird up the loins of thy mind. Tighten up things. Tighten up the way you think about things. Somebody told me the other day, said, Pastor Brown, did you hear uh, this is going to happen now that they're going to develop a chip to put in the brain so that they can tell what you're thinking and so forth and so on? And uh, a pastor told me that. A pastor running several hundred in a church, and he was depressed, and he was down. It got him down. And uh, I, I said, well, brother, uh, he said, Brother Brown, we've all thought th thoughts that are not right, and if they develop that chip and put in the brain, what are we going to do? And, 
And I told him, I said, well, do you know why I'm not depressed about it? He said, no. I said, I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. I control the positive and negative intake into my brain. I, I'm, I'm, at, I'm the boss man at the door of my mind. I'm at the bo- we sat down in the breakfast room. You kept us in a motel last night. Sat down in a breakfast room over here this morning, and my wife knew where to set my oatmeal and eggs with my back to that, uh, uh, to that television screen. I don't look at it. You say, well, Brother Brown, all they're going to show is news. Yeah, I know, but that anchor, number one, Number one, it's not good news, it's all bad news. And number two, that anchor woman sitting there with her dress hiked up to her elbows. I'm not going to let some whore in Paris determine what I think about. Did you hear what I just told you? And I'm not, I don't need to say, look, I'm 77 years old, but don't let me fool you now. Just because there's chrome on the dome don't mean there's no gas in the tank. Did you hear what I said? <clears throat> And I'm Larry Brown, and I approve of this message. Amen? <clears throat> but I'm not going to sit there and look at some uh, prostitute-looking thing. I don't need that just before I come over here. You say, Brother Brown, you're 77 years old. How do you stay so happy? Hey, I'm in tune with another world. My world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere. I don't hear it. I don't look at it. I don't listen to it. Look, okay, go ahead. Judge me. I'm 77 years old and never had a television in my home, in my life. Two things. Number one, I don't have time for it. And number two, I don't want it belching this stuff out in my living room. I'm not telling you how to live. I'm not telling you what to do. You got to go home and deal with that. But I, and, and I'm, I, and I couldn't find, I could not buy an Irish potato on the internet tomorrow if you put a gun to my head. Yeah. Somebody said, well, Brother Brown, how do you keep up with the things of the world? Which world are you talking about? I'm just simply saying, you know, yeah, amen. Uh, sir, I'd love to preach on that an hour. You could tell I could preach on that an hour, couldn't you? Uh, certain mental things you can do. Uh, there is certain, certain, um, uh, here's another thing. Uh, plan your worry time. If you're going to worry, you ought not worry, but if you're going to worry, set a time. Friday night, 6.30, Friday evening, that's, I'm going to worry at that time. Whatever comes up during the week, no matter what it is, honey, I don't know how we can pay the, uh, the rent next week. Put it down, Friday evening. Not going to worry. We'll put it there. We'll worry about it there. Uh, honey, look, the car's falling apart. we got to have a transmission. We don't have money. It's not in the budget. What? Write it down, Friday evening, 6.30. I mean, over and over. And one fellow said, uh, Preacher Brown tried it. It didn't work for me. I said, why not? He said, by the time I got to my worry time, 80% of all the things I was going to worry about had taken care of themselves and was gone. <clears throat> Worry's like paying interest on money that you never borrowed. You know that. And about 80% of all the things that we worry about never come to pass anyway. Brother Bobby Robertson, my pastor, I was with him seven and a half years. <clears throat> Brother Bobby Robertson used to tell about a fellow who got on a train years ago, and he had two big bags of something, and he got on the train, and he leaned up against the pole there, and uh, he was moaning and groaning, and there was a fellow sitting there reading the paper. And this fellow looked up and says, sir, do you have a problem? He said, yeah, these things are getting heavy. He looked at him with a hollow face and said, well, if you set it down, train will carry it for you. And he set it down and was relieved. Now, that's a silly illustration to show just how silly you and I are out to carry these burdens when the Lord says, cast your burdens. I mean, cast your burdens upon the Lord and leave them there. Well, I was going to throw it, but I'm afraid I hit somebody. But anyway, I'm just saying, hey, look, cast your burdens on the Lord. And why don't you just plan your worry time? Plan your worry time. Here's another thing. Have a dumping station. 
have a dungeon. You know, in 1 Kings 19, 7, Elijah got depressed. I don't care how big you are, how spiritual you are, how great you are, how well-known you are, you're subject to depression. We all, we all live in the same kind of a body. We all live in the same kind of a world. And Elijah said, Lord, it is enough. Take away my life. That old painted face, Huzzy Jezebel up there is after me. And Lord, I was here to take away. And I'm the only one left. And God, God said, no, wait a minute. Let's straighten out something. Number one, you're not the only one left. What are you doing here, Elijah? And uh, the Lord met with Elijah. And here's what the Lord said to Elijah. He said in 1 Kings 19, 7, he said, Elijah, the journey's too great for you. Life is too much for you. You need some help. You need some support. And let me tell you something, friend. This life is too big for you. It's too great for you. I heard a fellow say, well, I never run up against anything that I couldn't handle. I said, buddy, life's not over yet. Life's not over yet. I mean, it's more, uh, more uh, than we can handle. What would your house look and smell like if you didn't take out garbage for six months? That's about the way your soul looks and your mind looks. If you don't get some stuff off of you, get it out. You've got to have a dumping place for some of that. Some of you are not living in good health. Uh, some, some of you aren't doing well. I wish, look, I did a study of people, of old people. <clears throat> I did a study of old people. And uh, I wish you could have known Jeannie Peterson. Jeannie Pe I preached her funeral at 103 years old. Jeannie Peterson was a faithful member of my church and came right up until not long before she died at 103. Jeannie Peterson, a little short little fella, a, a little lady, and I, I'd go see her, <clears throat> and, I, and I'd pick on her, you know, and she'd laugh. I love Jeannie Peterson. Jeannie was great. Jeannie was born in the 1800s, lived through the 1900s, and died in 2001. She was 103 years old. But I wish you could have known her. I wish you could have known her attitude. was positive. I did a study on people that lived a long time. I wish you could have known my daddy's sister, Aunt Daisy. <clears throat> Aunt Daisy died at 99. At 94, she was delivering meals on wheels to the elderly. At 94. <clears throat> and <clears throat> Sarah and I, by the way, she was 94 years old. Sarah, uh, Mark's wife here, faithful member of your church, my daughter, uh, she took Rhonda and I down, and we saw Aunt Daisy. And Aunt Daisy just drove us all over Reedsville, you know, in her mid-90s. I said, Aunt Daisy, when did you have a wreck last? She said, Larry, a charming southern draw. Larry, I haven't had one yet, but boy, you ought to have seen her at those intersections. She was looking it over, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. You go see her, man, don't go to comfort her. You go to get comforted. You go to get your burdens lifted. I mean, you walk into that room, and uh, she wasn't a silly, giddy, little gackly something, but I'm telling you, she had the peace of God in her heart, and she was not connected to this world. She was connected to that other world, and, she, and God gave her long. There are certain things that you can do mentally uh, to prolong your life, and you need to have a dumping station. <laughs> Irishman, he'd come into work every morning. Every morning. And he'd say, Hallelujah, Hallelujah for heaven. Well, it was a factory. There was infidels work there. Every kind of, and he'd come every morning, stand right up in front, all the workers at the machine, Hallelujah for heaven. Well, one old infidel got tired of that. And one morning, this little Irishman came in and said, Hallelujah for heaven. And the, and the infidel said, Well, Hallelujah for hell. And the Irishman said, that's what I always say, every man for his own country. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> the 
there's certain moral things you can do. There's certain mental, mental things you can do. And then there's certain physical things that you can do. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, uh, living God? 1 Corinthians 3.16, if, if, uh, if we defile the temple of God, he that defiles the temple of God, him shall God destroy. Uh, I wish I could preach on this 30 minutes, but I, I'm about, my time's about up. Let me just give you this, and then I'll close the sermon. I, my problem when I preach, I have too much fun myself. And when I do that, I just get long-winded. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> there's certain... I, I had five little children years ago. <clears throat> Sarah was probably, I don't know, what, seven years old. And I was going down the street in Washington, and I met a farmer my age. I knew him, knew him well. And um, we got talking about insurance costs. And he said, yeah, I'm paying. I said, who are you with? He said, Farm Bureau. I said, wait a minute, something's wrong. You're paying what? He was my same age. We had the same amount of children. We were all in good health, had the same risk factor uh, health-wise, health insurance. I said, that don't make sense. I joined a preacher's group to get a better rate. Preacher's group out of a tumble hour, 50 miles away, they let me into their group just so I could get an insurance rate. He said, well, the office right down the street, if you can call her, she can answer your questions. The next morning I called her. I said, ma'am, I'm Larry Brown. She knew who I was. I said, I ran into so-and-so. She said, yeah, he's one of our clients. I said, well, he's with your company, and we have the same risk factor, and I told her all about it. And I said, um, got a problem. She said, what's that? I said, he's paying less premium than I am. And I'm in a special preacher's group to get a break. She said, that's right. I said, lady, something's wrong. These, these uh, farmers drink, some of them, they smoke and do all kinds of other things. And yet you're going to give them a better premium price than you're going to give me? She said, yes, sir. I said, lady... That don't make sense. Oh, yeah, she said it makes good sense because she said even though these farmers drink and smoke and even though that's not good for the health, they're up at 5.30 in the morning. They're hauling grain. They're under tractors. They're lifting things. They're throwing bales. They're feeding animals. They're working all day long, and you preachers get up, and all you have is stress, and all you have is no exercise. You're overeat. You're too fat. You're too lazy. You're too... And she said you're costing us more than the farmers. You say, what'd you do? Well, I dropped the preacher's group and joined the drinking farmers. That's what I did. <laughs> what would you have done? <laughs> I, I, I said that in the church the other night. Had a little boy beside him. His daddy said, did he really join the drinking farmers? <laughs> and his daddy said, his daddy told me later what he said. His daddy looked back and said, yeah, he did. But he didn't join them to drink. He just joined them to get better. <laughs> hey, there's certain physical things you can do to prolong your life. Uh, I'm not going to cut loose and preach on diet and what you should eat and not eat. I had cancer 21 years ago, and colon cancer, they opened me up like a watermelon, took out that much of my colon, brought the top down to the bottom, but I was smart enough to know that I had a body that produced cancer. And if I didn't do something different than what I did when it produced cancer, it'd probably do it again. So I changed some things about my diet. I started exercising. My wife and I, the day before we left, we rode 10 miles uh, on our bike. We jump up riding 10 miles every morning, exercise. We go off in meetings like this, and we have to fight to get our, we borrowed bikes and rented bikes and everything else. And we just enjoyed it. Our, our age, you got two options, exercise or die. Just take your pick, whichever one you want. And, uh, but uh, yeah, so, um, there, but there's certain physical things. Uh, Third John 1, he said, beloved, I would that thou wilt, I wish you would prosper even as your soul prospers. Physically, I wish you could prosper. Um, 
Bible don't say the drunkard and the dope head shall come to poverty. It says the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty. Now, I believe biblically you can eat buzzards as long as you put enough prayer and barbecue sauce on it, don't you? I really do. I think biblically you can eat buzzard. And so I'm, we're not, not going to get under law here or anything. Uh, but I'll tell you this. We need to use some common sense. We're going to stay alive. Amen. And all of us know it. But don't admit it even to ourselves because we do. We've got to change some things in our lives. We have a responsibility to live. We have a responsibility to live and live as long as we can. Somebody needs you. So, oh, my life ain't worth much to me. Look, if it's not worth much to you, it'd be worth something to somebody somewhere and usually is. Robert Mary McShane, the greatest preacher, one of the greatest preachers ever preached. I stood in his pulpit about four or five years ago in Dundee, Scotland, Robert went around and saw his grave, uh, died and was buried at 30, 30s, in his 30s. Not long before he died, here's what he said in that robe. I was given a horse. No, excuse me. He said, I was given a message. That was the gospel. And I was given a horse to deliver the message. The horse was his body. Alas, I have killed the horse and I'm not able to deliver the message and he admitted he killed himself and shortened his life by the way he went. He wasn't on drink and drugs, but, but the way he went and the way he neglected his body and abused. And, uh, and so we have a responsibility to live. There are certain physical things. I'll get off of that much to your relief. And then last but not least, there are certain eternal things you can do. John 10, 28, eternal life I give unto them and they shall never perish. John eleven twenty six. 26, he, watch it, now watch it, he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. There's certain eternal things that you can do to live a long time. I tell you what, I tell you how you don't prolong your life. I tell you how, I'm standing in Subway some years ago and a rock and roll singer screaming his lewd stuff out on top of my head and I usually can tune it out but that particular day, I caught what he was saying. His name was Mon Scott. He was, pre he was, he was singing a, a song called Highway to Hell. And here's, here's the words I picked up on. Highway to hell, highway to hell. Hey, mama, look at me. I'm bound for the promised land. Hey, Satan, pay my dues. Play it on a rocking band. Hey, mama, look at me. I'm bound for the promised Laughing at God, laughing at eternity, laughing at his mother and her uh, Bible religion, laughing and mocking God. Wasn't long after that, he choked to death on his own vomit and died. You don't prolong your life. In that song, he said, don't stop me. Don't stop. I'm going all the way down to hell, all the way down to hell, laughing about it. Well, he's not laughing about it this morning. I promise you that. Yeah. But I'm telling you, you don't have to do that to earn your spot in hell. The worst sin you can commit is the sin of unbelief. Jesus died for you on that old rugged cross and he said, come unto me all you, and you've done despite to the spirit of grace by knowing he died for you and knowing you need to be saved and by saying no to him. And some of you, in, in invitation after invitation after invitation in this pulpit as this man of God has preached to you and you're gonna cross a line, it'll be too late someday. You can prolong your life. You can live forever. You can live eternally. Thank God there's some people in this room, including your speaker and these men on, the, men on this platform, there's some people in this room that'll never die, never die, never... God, glory to God. That's what the world's looking for. They're looking for life, life. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. 
Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by him. Well, what are you going to do about it? Do you want to live forever? Let's bow our heads in prayer.